You're listening to another episode of the Zach. Eric Soap here. Excited to be joined by a recently graduated 2019 NLCSF fellow. Cassie Hoprich is here. She's moving down to LA, so we can always talk about rivalries between the Bay and here, amongst other things, and what she's up to. So thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. So Cassie, I feel like the LA Bay rivalry is real. So when you told your your people up there that you're moving down here, what was their reaction? Well, uh, it's a great question. So I've worked for the city of San Francisco for almost five years now. And so when I told them that I was going to UCLA to pursue my master's and not Cal, I got a lot of shade thrown at me. <laughs> a lot of a lot of feelings of betrayal. But um, once once those feelings simmered down, they they were actually really excited to talk to me about um, what I hope to do in LA and and all the unique opportunities and challenges that that city's facing. So I think most people are intrigued. Yeah. And did you have ties down here or the, the program you ended up signing into was something you really wanted to do? And that's what brought you down here. Uh, it's a little bit of both. I was born up here, but, but spent my formative years in San Diego. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in LA growing up. Um, but the program at UCLA and the professors there, especially um, just blew me away. And so uh, I knew that I had a lot I could learn from them uh, during my time getting my master's. So when you tell people up there that you work for the city of San Francisco, what's usually the first question people ask or what do you hear most often? Well, it's interesting. So I think a lot of people think of government as uh, the DMV in the post office. <laughs> so when I tell them I do uh, neighborhood investment work, usually the first questions are, um, how do I get money and what are you doing about homelessness? And so uh, it's, it's interesting that those are the, usually the first two questions. And then after a while, I, I uh, get them to open up and be receptive to things like grant making and neighborhood strategy work. Uh, but yeah, usually it's, it starts with, um, how can I get some money? Aren't you guys rolling in it? Um, and what's going on with, with people experiencing homelessness? And then did San Francisco experience some of the same things that LA did? So, you know, two, three years ago, there were ballot measures down here that allowed for more funds to go to affordable housing, that allowed more funds to go to homelessness in general. And then recent reports that have come out have shown the homeless population numbers have increased and that money is still unspent and units are being built. And that enthusiasm has, has definitely turned into cynicism and frustration is there a similar uh, pattern up there where there was a moment in time where people actually were slightly optimistic because there were funds to be had and that's faded away? Or was there a different pattern that it followed? Uh, I mean, I would say for decades, there's been a similar pattern. I think each mayor for the last 30 years has of, of the city of San Francisco has come out with their own special plan for how they want to address people experiencing homelessness and affordable housing. Um, and so different funds, different propositions have been passed. Um that have allowed for these funds, but you know, they've just been spent in so many different ways. And we have housed a lot of folks, but um, I'd say that because homelessness is so much more visible um, and our population is changing so much, we've had rapid gentrification. We have a lot of uh, transient folks here now. uh, And I think that there is general confusion and a feeling of, Hey, what we're doing isn't working, but honestly, it's really not new. We've seen this sort of ebb and flow for, for decades with each and every mayor. So then do you feel like cities should I don't give up is the right phrase, but you know, thinking back to the debates that happened about SB 50 when it comes to housing and trying to do things that would speed up and improve cities' abilities to add more housing quickly to try to support folks getting into permanent places, 
you know, so many cities are, are fighting this idea of losing local control. But do you feel like the decisions they made over the last decades, as you just laid out, means that they shouldn't have local control? They've, they've had the opportunity and they blew it. Do you think the state actually needs to be the one that makes these makes these choices for folks? I, I don't I don't necessarily think that the state needs to be the only one. Uh the reality is we live in a global market economy and each city is very unique in terms of who are those private entities in those cities and, and what power and, and access to privilege and wealth do they have. And so while I think it's important to, to be cooperative for local governments, to be cooperative with state governments and think about um, you know, legislation that could help expedite housing, there's also a lot of opportunity for city leadership, specifically the cities, to come up with public-private partnerships with the folks that are uh, running businesses in their cities. Um, and through those partnerships, I think that we could start to see more innovative ways to stabilize um, the price of housing and also um, access to, to land to build housing uh, and so on. And so when you think about transitioning now to being a student and coming down here to get a, a master's in urban planning, is that the right description? Yeah. So what goals do you hope to get out of that experience? What things are you trying to learn? So the way I entered into the world of urban planning was, was really, I was a lost journalism student. I was, I thought I could change the world through storytelling. And I, and I still think that a lot of what I do is storytelling, right? And so I found my way into work around public space and urban design projects in public space. Then that led me to thinking about neighborhood investment strategies. And I've been really lucky to make um, to to find myself in a role where I'm able to uh, uh, execute a neighborhood strategy and award uh, you know relatively substantial grants to community organizations, and that's been really wonderful. But what I what I feel like I'm doing is operating at the tip of this iceberg of inequity, and actually, like through the NLC program this year, I talked about this a lot, where I felt like I wasn't doing enough to dig into the roots of, of inequities in our cities, especially in low-income communities that are largely people of color that have frankly just been screwed over by um, really crappy and racist policy for years. And so in seeking out a graduate program, I was so drawn to UCLA because it has this really broad social justice focus, but also there are professors there that are studying the effects of debt in our urban financial systems and how they perpetuate inequities in our cities. Um, and so for me, this is really an opportunity to bolster my, my skills and, and really build some chops out when it comes to what are these financial infrastructures that are perpetuating inequities. And so do you feel like the slingshot effect coming out of that program two years from now will be putting you in contact with folks in Sacramento trying to change laws? Will it be an advocacy at a local level? Will it be back to the job where you were before, but now you're, you're loaded up with, with a lot more knowledge and a lot more energy. What do you feel like will be the impact of you doing this program? And then what happens when you come out? Yeah, totally. Um, so I have like a few tracks that I fantasize about. One track would be to start doing work at both a, a local and statewide uh, scale when it comes to thinking about land ownership and expanding the models of land trust as a way to literally, uh, create more equal opportunities for people to own property in our cities. Um, so I'm really fascinated by land trust models um, and groups like Urban Land Institute. And so I could sort of see myself going that way um, and doing policy work in that realm. 
another way I would see myself going is potentially at the local or at state level, um, working back in city government, um, potentially for a mayoral administration, for uh, an elected council person or supervisor, um, working on legislation to think more creatively about um, about land use um, and programs that the city can can fund or or efforts that can be subsidized by the city to stabilize um, housing. In the city of San Francisco, who do you feel like, and it could be any kind of person, who do you feel like is the most well respected? Like, who has the highest approval ratings of somebody who lives in San Francisco? Is it a sports figure? Is it like Steph Curry? So, like, maybe let's just say it's Steph Curry for the sake of my question. So, if like, <laughs> yeah. if Steph Curry ends up being mayor of San Francisco and he's got like a two year window where no one's going to try to recall him, what do you feel like would be the most radical policy you'd want to see him implement with you behind the scenes getting him to? put it into practice? Oh, I'm like torn between two things. One would be um, a complete overhaul on the way in which we utilize public land for housing. Um, and by that, I mean digging into tax incentives, digging into codes, digging into pretty much every facet of what it is that controls the way in which we can access and utilize public land for housing um, and potentially as part of that, I'd love to build out, um, our small sites acquisition program a bit more, which is an amazing program that the city's been kicking off where we can literally buy up, um, smaller apartment buildings that are going on the market and, and acquire them before they hit market rate, um, opportunities. And this is all in an effort to stabilize the affordability of that housing and put it into entities such as land trusts, um, or the other hand, if I if Mayor Steph Curry did ask for my help, I would be really interested in, in exploring um, how can we work with uh, these large companies that are in the city of San Francisco and, and alike on really radical community benefit agreements where they actually take their wealth and invest it into the acquisition of land, which can then be put into a land trust for community to manage. And that really hasn't been explored yet. And it was brought up as part of the Twitter tax break uh, nine years ago by the community. And at the time, the companies, Twitter and Zendesk and alike, said, you know what, that's not really in our wheelhouse. But I think it is. I think it's totally in our wheelhouse. And if we can crack the code with tax incentives, um, I think that there's real potential there. So if, you know, Mayor Curry would have me, I think that <laughs> one of those two things, if not all, is what I'd love to work on with him. Nice. I love it. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about life in the Bay and life down here. And also some of the thoughts and feelings Cassie had about just finishing up NLC and the fellowship in the Institute. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zag. We'll be right back. So where do you think California is in general in, say, five, ten years, given what you know about what's going on in the Bay? And, and I'm sure you're pretty well versed in what's going on down here when it comes to housing and homelessness issues, mobility, transportation, all these things people are talking about all the time in both places and, and in different parts of the state, too. Where do you think we are in five years? Oh, man, in five years, I guess, like, I could just paint a picture of what I would love to, like, literally see in five years. I'd love to see um, underutilized infrastructure being revisioned and reimagined into all types of housing and community spaces. I think that with LA, there's so much opportunity. If we can loosen up codes and, and jurisdiction on the city and county side, we could really free up space to become 
innovative housing. Um, it just takes some creative bureaucracy, frankly, to make that possible. So um, I see I see us utilizing land in a way we've never thought of before to create all types of housing. Um, uh, and then I also see us being the fearless leaders of, of technologies and implementing technologies to address climate change. Uh, I think that, you know, I'll be in LA soon. You know it. I grew up in Southern California. You know, things are heating up. And so I believe that our state has been really needs to continue to be at the helm of what uh, it looks like to integrate um, new technologies and new strategies to address climate change. So I, I kind of see this like gorgeous, like snapshot photo of us with uh, solar panels, with um, windmills everywhere, combined with this infrastructure that five years ago was just kind of sitting and rotting away. Now site to some of the most innovative and beautifully designed um, alternative forms of housing and community spaces. I really believe in the power of of both creative bureaucracy and, and urban design to address some of our biggest problems. Last thing, anything surprise you about the NLC Institute experience? So many things surprised me. Um, I think that first of all, the fact that I was one of two folks that was there that, that worked in government was unbelievably refreshing. Um, and you know, what I uh, was able to share with my group at our, at our NLC graduation, um, I was lucky enough, they asked me to, to give a little bit of a speech at the end um, of the program. And what I really focused on was the fact that this program just blew me away with how many incredible questions I now ask of my colleagues, I now ask of the people in power, that I now ask of myself. And I think that from this program, I really came to accept, realize, and respect the fact that questions are the content of the progressive movement. And it's when we can come together and share the questions that we are asking in our workplaces to folks in power that we can become that, that real choir of, of a movement. Um, and so that just, that just blew me away, the fact that so many perspectives and questions that I never even thought to ask are now part of my repertoire are now tools in my toolbox. Um, and I hope to keep coming back to the NLC community to, to extract more questions as my, as my career and my life continue on. That's great. Well, listen, thanks for coming on and congratulations on graduating. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Zag and catch all past episodes at the usual places. You get your podcasts, Apple, Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. There's a lot of them, over 130 or so of amazing progresses, both here in LA and across the country. So check those out. And until next time, we'll catch you soon. <laughs>